When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cue the music. And we are live in five, four. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Corner to Corner Wrestling Radio. C2C Radio is on the air live at c2cradioshow.com through spreaker.com slash corner to corner, Apple, Amazon, Google Play, and all your favorite podcast locations. I'm Stan Grubb and my tag team partners, as always, Rob Hefner. What's up, man? That has to be one of the saddest intros you've done in a while. You do it. Yeah, you, know, you do it. You do it. Like, Come on, Golden uh, Pipes, let's go. Motherfucker. Wow, we're not even stand. 20 seconds in and he's cussing. Damn. <laughs> hey, listen, if MJF can do it at the Meteor Scrum, oh, my I'm now going to copy him. Dude, <laughs> I feel like we're going to end up spending a lot of time talking about the Scrum, too. <laughs> Uh, and you heard him. He's here, Brian Taylor. What's up, Brian? What did he call them? Rat faces. The the first guy that he talked to, he said he looked like a rat with his hair all slicked back, and um, he called them the the tier group of the the like the tier group of of marks or something like that. It was really. He lit in to pretty much everybody that was quote unquote media. Well, he lit in to everybody. Let's be real. That's just MJF. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, he's just fucking around with everybody. <laughs> I'm sure. Except that poor little kid. That little kid had it coming. I don't know what he said to MJF to get that <laughs> water throat on him. Mm. Yeah, you, you just can't talk. You can't talk to the champ like that, kid. Yeah, apparently a waste he of eight bucks. Talked to his mom like that too, because she's the one that cued MJF to throw the the drink on him. <laughs> I don't care what they say. I think that was a work. I think oh, it it's a completely a work. So yeah. uh, they're, they're MJF middle of the Iron Man match, only a few minutes in actually, is outside the ring, and he's 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 trying to keep away from Danielson. He's trying to piss him off. So they get into this brawl. They finally are fighting on the outside, and then in he. MJF is in the crowd, and he sees this lady. She's holding a drink, and she says something to him. And he kind of mm. nods, and he grabs the drink. He doesn't really snatch it, you know what I mean? He just reaches and grabs the drink, and then turns and water or whatever on the, all over this kid. And the kid's not even looking up. He's looking down. Like, he's not paying attention. So, well, either he's not paying attention or he knows it's coming. I'll put it that way. I'm convinced that it was a plant. Although, all, if you ask any media person, there's ugh, a kid had no idea it was coming, and then there's there's parents out there all upset. Uh, look, if it was legitimately him throwing a drink on an actual kid that didn't know it was coming, and all of that, 
okay, I get it. I get some of the anger on it. But, I mean, here's here's what happens after the fact. Uh, Titus was this, was this kid's name. He goes backstage. Amanda Huber, um, Brody Lee's wife, is there sitting with him. They give him a bunch of uh, foam fingers for, like, the acclaimed and everything. He gets to meet Will Hobbs, um, Powerhouse Hobbs, for those that forgot his first name. <laughs> and Tony Khan even talks about how much of a pro he was during the media scrum. So, yeah, the, take that for what it's worth. I'm pretty sure it was a work. Yeah, and then he says he's going to, like, Vegas or something, too. Right, right. We're going to see more of Titus. I guess it's a thing now. Titus is going to be in the crowd. Inevitably, I... Go ahead. No, is this their version of the kid that wrestled with Braun Strowman? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) When MJF loses the title, it's going to be because of this kid throwing a drink at him or something. That's going to be awesome. But if you haven't guessed, AEW Revolution was just last night. Um, hey, thankfully, it didn't keep us up until 2 o'clock in the morning, unless, of course, you were watching the media scrum. Um, solid pay-per-view all around. We're going to be spending a pretty good amount of time talking about this pay-per-view because there's a lot. Brian said it earlier in the chat. There's a lot to unpack with this event. Um, but we'll start in order. We got... The buy-in, zero hour. I keep calling it the buy-in, damn it. Zero hour. One day you'll become an AEW aficionado. Right, right. One of these days I'll be good enough to be a fan. (laughs) (laughs) They have uh, the Varsity Athletes and Aria Davari against Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Bros. Um, Guys, admittedly, I missed zero hour, so I did not catch this match. What did you guys think of it? Ah, I mean, it's not bad. It's Mark Briscoe, right? Yep, yep. So that's a good thing. Um, maybe uh, we'll start seeing a little bit more with um, uh, Mark Briscoe, which, again, is a good thing. Um, it's good to see uh, him get to win. It's good to see the Lucha Brothers get to win. Not a fan of uh, Arya Davari, but you know it is what it is. Yeah, Arya Davari, another uh, 205 Live WWE NXT castaway. That he's working in AEW. He's he had a stable at some point. What they called the Truth Busters or Trust Busters or whatever the hell. Yeah, but, I think he still does. Well, I, I think um, two-thirds of that group was now with uh, Swerve. Mm, I don't think two-thirds. I think one. Oh, that's right. The other guy was like a um, a pro baseball player or something. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, the one thing that I, I took away from just the build-up to this match Admittedly, like I said, I didn't I didn't catch the match itself, but Mark Briscoe cutting a promo about how he had a dream that uh, he had to get ready for a match, and it was already going on, and, and he was he was running late, and he looked everywhere and he couldn't find his brother, and he said, "No, wait, he's he must be already out there," and he runs out there and realizes that he's not there, he's he's in heaven waiting for him, which I don't know how many times he's going to be able to do that that keeps messing us up because it's that's emotional still. 
But he says that, and then he says, but you know what? My friends were there. My brothers were there. And he talks about the Lucha Bros. Just a great promo setting up the six-man tag and or the trios match. Um, you know, Mark Briscoe has that unique thing, that unique factor that if he plays his cards right, if he continues, and we already know that he's good in the ring. I don't think that will ever be a question. Um he really could position himself as a top star, even more of a top star, but actually a top star in AEW just by staying the course. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, of course, that means he's going to have to give up them tag titles. Yeah. Um, but since I guess he is AEW, uh, I'd keep him on AEW. Yeah. Um, now, a short of a... Uh, title run of some kind in ROH, uh, to me, he would definitely stay AEW. I think a lot of people thought of Eddie Kingston as that next underdog kind of character that could come out and be world champion. But I might have to replace that and say that Mark Briscoe coming out and beating MJF could actually could actually happen at some point, either this year or next. No, 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 no. I, I like I didn't come up with some crazy scenario, and when I say world title, I mean ROH. Um, if you, I mean that would have to be you couldn't have him beat MJF. There's no way, right? Again, the guy that beats MJF is can be one of those rare breeds. And while Mark beating MJF would be feel good. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, and that's exactly what it would be. Um, you know, it's one of those moments where, like, back in Crockett days where the title changes hands once and then in, a few days later it changes hands again kind of situation would be my thought. He'd be the Ron Garvin. Well, I don't know about like Ron, Ron Garvin. Garvin beat Rick Ric Flair, and then it was like next night. Never mind. That's, okay. So, I mean, we can play what ifs, but did y'all not watch the main event last night? I mean, I'm not. I'm saying Daniel Bryan's getting his due. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is, uh, like, if Daniel Bryan can't, or well, my Lord, have mercy, Bryan Danielson can't beat him in a match like that. No offense, I don't see Mark. I, I mean, like when I say a feel-good moment, it's a DQ win. He's not going to – I would never – I would put the ROH world title on him and not have not have a problem. I don't see how you can put the AEW world title on him. That's like a – yeah, I, I just don't see how you can put it on him. And no slight, I mean, I, but – I see him as AEW. I see him coming in and fighting for the All-Atlantic title, you know, the TNT title frequently. I see him being those people that come in and go and comes in, fights, get the belt, keeps it for a little while, loses it, disappears for a little bit, comes back, you know. Um, it'd be interesting to see what Ring of Honor does with the tag belts. Do they come up with a new design? Do they just, you know... So, well, Mark Briscoe is 38 years old, so it's not exactly like he's going to be wrestling for the next 10 years. Although, 
he stays in good shape, maybe he can. But the guy's been through a lot physically. Um, I could see him having a, a TNT title run or a All-Atlantic. I like that they've made the All-Atlantic title have some have some value <clears throat> in a pretty short amount of time. I don't know if it accomplished what they wanted internationally, but you know, there's still plenty of time for that. It's still a relatively young title. That's the International Atlantic title. Right. <laughs> Just kidding. God. Wake up, Stan. No, it's only all Atlantic, not International Atlantic. You said it doesn't do the International then. I was like, that's the International Atlantic title. Oh, okay. So, yeah, well, I was really not picking up on it. Whoo, okay. Well, Rob's Don't worry, it, I, 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 didn't, not. I didn't pick up on it either. I'm just slow. Hey, not, okay. not all of them are winners, people, okay? <laughs> uh, so going into this uh, pay-per-view, we had did our predictions uh, last week. We, we had pretty high hopes, some questions that I think we got answered, and some good stories that uh, came to a close for us. Chris Jericho and Ricky Stark starts off the actual pay-per-view event. Um, and this was, hey, to their credit, they closed a book on this. They closed the chapter out. And uh, we we may be seeing Ricky Starks uh, getting the next title shot against uh, against MJF. What? No. What? Like, like what, how, how does he get there? <laughs> yeah. Like, how does he go from barely beating Jericho <laughs> to kissing the ring? Kissing the ring. Damn. That's intense. Explain okay. it to me. It's, no, explain, explain yourself. Yeah, yeah, Lucy. Explain it. You got some explaining to do. <laughs> well, first off, I feel like they've got a real, real opportunity with him, and they're going to keep with the MJF and Ricky Starks feud. I think there's going to actually be a longevity to that rivalry. Um, secondly, I felt like uh, this was closing the book pretty effectively on the Jericho chapter. And I don't see him beating uh, Wardlow certainly don't. Well, maybe he beats powerhouse Hobbs, but I kind of doubt that, especially if Hobbs is next on the list to be TNT champ. So I don't see him going down to the Atlantic title. I think he would work his, his way back towards a world title shot. Now, Ricky, Ricky Starks. Yep. Absolute Ricky Starks. How many, how many world title shots has he had? That I know of one. But so that keeps him in world title contention. Well, I mean, some some could also say that uh, Adam Page could be next in line. But I think Ricky's probably going to be the one that ends up getting the first shot before Page does. Now you got me curious as to how many shots Ricky Starks has had. <laughs> Rocky Starks. That's funny. <clears throat> I think you're over, see, overlooking a lot of different people, but yeah. I mean, I could see him having like, I could see him and Hobbs having a back and forth because of their back in the Taz days, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see them doing that. Can't see them automatically giving them the him, giving him a world title shot. I mean, unless you want to bury him right away, because mm. like 
he doesn't have the mic skills that MJF does. So if you want to kill his, mm. kill him as soon as he, before he gets there. Ooh. I'm going to back out of this, Rob. You went too far on that one. You don't think Ricky Starks can go? Yeah. Promo for promo with MJF. I mean, hey, I'm not going to say that that Ricky Starks is going to beat MJF for the title. I happen to agree with you there that he'd probably get get outdone. But I feel like, you know, especially from a promo perspective, they only scratch the surface of what those two can do. Yeah, I mean, I was with Rob for a minute, and then Rob went wonky. I don't know what Kool-Aid he's drinking right now, but you should put it back. I mean, that's one reason why Ricky, I mean, Ricky was a star in uh, NWA Ford promos. He's, you know, anytime he's out uh, in the ring, the crowd just eats it up because of the promos. So, standout parts of this match. Um, honestly, I felt like this might be our first indication of this year because, you know, it's, he's just going to end up proving us wrong on another occasion. But that Jericho may be slowing down. So, next pay-per-view, perhaps he proves again that he's not slowing down. But I felt like he was moving a little slower paced uh, this this time around against Starks. Uh, but it's still got the story told. Um Sammy Guevara ends up trying to interfere or intervene on behalf of Chris Jericho. Wasn't the entirety of this story supposed to be that the JAS was banned from ringside? Yes. So what was like the penalty for that? Because they never really identified that. I was just curious. But he never interfered. He never no, made he, it to the ring. No, because Action Andretti Rob, comes see? out of nowhere. Uh, there we go. Pummeling <laughs> Sammy Guevara. That was uh, pretty ridiculous, by the way. Yeah, I, I mean, again, Rob, you know, he never got to the ring, Rob, right? So what penalty is there to be had? They're banned from ringside if he gets caught on the, on the, on the um, entrance ramp. He never made ringside. See how they do that? Yeah, I guess they somehow managed to circumvent that part because he doesn't actually get to <laughs> ringside. So he dives through. And I don't even know if it was a spear or whatever. It just all, all of a sudden from the right side of the screen, you just see Andretti just flying over and down goes mm. Sammy Guevara. And I mean, I'll agree with you when you said that, you know, this is the oldest Chris Jericho's looked in years. Yeah. You know, like just his 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 look, his timing, his physique all just looked like, you know what, I've had a good time and I'm going home now. I'm going to Dean's house. <laughs> when but, he retires, when he finally retires, that's what he's got to say. His last thing he says to the fans has got to be, I'm going to Dean's house. Yeah, going to go find my smile. <laughs> But, I mean, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I thought it was a solid match. Yes, you could see, but, I mean, still, Jericho did what Jericho does. He seizes the day, and he he comes to the occasion and does what he needs to do. Um, 
and they've closed the chapter on this Ricky Starks JAS thing. Um, and like you said, now it's on for Ricky Starks to do something else. What that will be, probably he'll be up, like he'll most likely be the one that challenges Hobbs when he beats Wardlow. So, and there we go. Is it a foregone c- conclusion that that Hobbs is our next TNT champ? You think? Well, I mean, according to you earlier, yeah. Starks is going to go through and win them all. Yeah, he's going to run the gauntlet. He's going to run it. Who <laughs> was it? Lovey Smith in the immortal words of, "If you want to crown him, crown him." <laughs> crown AS. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, 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 I just think that Jericho is like doing the right thing for business in such a way that you can see. You know what I'm saying? Like, not to say he didn't do right by the business in the past, but you figure, like, right now where he's at, he did the right thing for Andretti, and then he did the right thing for Starks. And I don't know if I'd say he slowed down um, a lot. I, I, I think that was just the flow of the match. Because he can still move when he wants to. It, it's one of those things where, that's what what I said before, was that he'll just end up proving it to us in another month. Mm-hmm. That, you know, he's still moving, still able to do all the things he needs to do. It's just, it felt like, I think Rob described it really well. This is the first time I've really seen Jericho show his age out there. And that's not, I mean, God, they, how old is Chris Jericho? You know, first first and foremost, Chris 52. Jericho is 50, yeah, he's like 52 or 53. So if he's slowing mm. down at that age, that's damned impressive. I ain't so, never sped up to that, so. <clears throat> right, well, yeah. I don't know that any of us have ever been able to run at that level. So, hey, can't knock that. And, and plus, this is a guy that is almost guaranteed wherever he goes to be their hall in their Hall of Fame. Like if AEW does a Hall of Fame, and I'm sure they will at some point, you know he'll be in the Hall of Fame for that. He'll probably be in. Hell, if they had a Stampede Hall of Fame, they put him in there. WWE is obviously going to put him in. I mean, it's it's one of those things where his legacy is is solidified. You don't have to worry about it. So while everything he's doing, to your point, Brian, is he's just giving back. He's just mm-hmm. making the right moves. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. A win, a win like this for Ricky means more to the business than Jericho beating Ricky Starks. Right. So and that and that's that's what you need out of your veterans. And that just shows you the way he looks at the business. You know, cuz somebody at his caliber could have looked like the others and be like, "Oh, no, no, nope. I'm not going to give them the shine. Not going to give them the right. they got to figure it out. They got to they got to earn it." But he's never been afraid to, you know what, this is what's best for business. I mean, look how he's kind of redefined himself everywhere he's went. New Japan, you know, at the age he was to be like, hey, I'm going to go to Japan. Oh, what? I mean, he could have very well just been like, I'm going to go play bars in Europe now with my band. But 
Um, definitely, he's going to be a Hall of Fame wherever he goes. And I don't think he's done. He's not done. It's just one thing Jericho knows is he knows the business. And he knows when, you know what, it's somebody else's time to run for a little bit. And I'm going to sit back. And then, but he can, how many times have we said he's done and he comes back? How many times has he reinvented himself? You know, count him out. And you just made the list. I mean, the, the Ocho is his latest iteration, and, and he created the Jericho Appreciation Society. It, it's just, he you, you made a good point. He finds a way. He always does. And he's going to work the list in there soon. You watch. Because just the way he signed the contract for the match, just, you know, like, he's going to do the list. We go from uh, one grudge match to the next. And in this one, we get to a stipulation that I don't think they ever solidified until literally minutes before the match began. And that's the, well, and by solidified, I mean informing us, us the fans. Final burial match, Jungle Boy Jack Perry against Christian Cage in what would become the AEW version of a casket match. Uh... This was one of those things where Christian really shines as just the the guy that knows exactly what to do to make the people pissed at him the entire time. Um, I want to say it was either Shane or Sonny in the chat that talked about how the only offense he had was just him doing some kind of a, a, a sly, sneaky move type of, type of thing, some kind of cheap move rather than like a headlock or whatever. Not that not you'd expect that in a casket match but still it was it was a good showing for him and, and honestly a good showing for uh, jungle boy uh that shot with the shovel for example good god <laughs> i thought that was uh turning christian's lights out i yeah but i thought they announced the uh, match like last week well they called it they they Jungle Boy says there's going to be grave consequences for everything that's happened. And I'm like, eh, okay, what does that mean? Now, grave consequences, depending on how you look at it. Um, grave consequences is a uh, way of Lucha Underground referring to their casket match. So maybe that was the clue. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. Something. I thought they had announced it. Like, again, it was late. Yeah. Um, it was late. I mean, pretty much the theme of most of the pay per view was setting things up late. But, um, <clears throat> again, I could be wrong. So, um, just, it was. I, th- I don't know. This was a little bit weird for me. Um, I mean, I enjoyed it, um, but it was just like, um, it was short, maybe Does that makes sense. It was fast. And actually that I'm glad you mentioned that we come out of 
Jericho and Starks, and we're like, we're on a sprint. They don't take a, ma- a minute. They don't take all that time, much time at all. All of a sudden, we're in ring announcements for J- Jack Perry and Christian Cage. Like, and then when I, next thing we know, after that match is done, almost as soon as it concludes, we're headed to the trio's title match. I mean, it was just rapid fire. We had to put on the gas the whole night. Yeah, it was. Again, it was the. the I don't know. The pacing may have been off for me. Um, not that I didn't enjoy it, but uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe it was. It was just weird. Yeah, it, to me, it. I mean, literally in the uh, in the ring, out the ring, in the ring, out the ring, entrance ramp done. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the problem I had with it was just, you know, they did a little bit of in-ring, but once they got up to the entrance ramp, they just stayed up there. You know, so it's like, all right, if they're not making, no one's making a thing to go to the back. No one's making a thing to go back to the ring. It's kind of like, all right, they just realize, all right, we're done. And um, and then the whole, like, you put him in there, then he kissed him, and he stared at him for a little while, then he shut it. I was like, what, what the hell's going on? Yeah, that was weird because, like, he, he gets him in the casket, he shuts it, like, really hard, and that some bitch just dropped. Like, it didn't it didn't just get lowered, like, somebody cranking it or anything. Like, he slams the door, and it just drops, like somebody just removed the floor from it or something. It's like, damn. Well, that's what happens when y'all made fun of the match that was supposed to explode the ring, and it didn't explode. You know? Best sparklers ever. Yeah, that's what happens. You get a they, casket that just drops. They should call that the straight to hell match. Right? <laughs> that wasn't uh, smoke coming up. That was dust from when it hit wherever it landed. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of, uh, hey, that that electrified barbed wire match, um, Kenny Omega has a great interview with Rene Paquette about uh, a lot of different parts since he's come back. But he talks about that matchup specifically and how – the guy that was responsible for setting the the explosives and the rigging for that had every step of the way, had tested it and everything, and the day of the event, they brought somebody else in to do it. A guy who mm. hadn't taken one single look at how things were set up or anything, so he didn't check to see if the wind had shifted or anything. So come to find out, that's what happened. So you ever watch Star Wars? The first nope. one? Nope, never watched Star Wars. Are you shitting me? <laughs> Obviously, I've watched Star Wars, sir. Oh, okay, the first one, the very first one. Like, yeah, I mean, how many people four, have... Episode have, four, episode oh, four. Oh, okay, okay. You're, you're, I thought you were talking about The Phantom Menace. I was like, wait a minute, no, no, buddy. No, 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 episode four. <laughs> yes, sir, New Hope, gotcha, I'm with you. All right, okay. All right, so remember when they're, they're making the trench run? At oh, the end I of did. the movie? Yep. Yeah. Remember that famous line, stay on target? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Stay on target. Stay on target. Yeah. Stay on target. <laughs> we can talk about Kenny Omega later. I feel like with, uh, in an effort to stay on target, with Jack Jack Perry, Jungle Boy, and uh, Christian Cage, this was, however long Christian's recovery was, six months too late you know basically the only reason they had to do this here instead of when 
Christian was active prior was because of Christian's arm injury, and this feud would have been long gone. I don't know where it would have happened with uh, with Jack Perry from that point, but it, I don't know. This seemed like a, okay, we got to get a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am kind of moment here. Let's close this door and be done, and that's exactly what they did. So I, I think for me, as far as that goes, I think, again, when, you know, in an upcoming match that I said last week, timing, you know what I'm saying? They had a plan mm-hmm. and they're sticking to the plan. <clears throat> right. I think that's that's what you have here more than anything. I, I think they had a plan. They wanted to give uh, Jungle Boy his, his his payoff. You know, they want to give Christian his due, and I think that's what we got now. Like, they would have waited two years <laughs> to do it if they had to. Well, yeah, I mean, there, there's no doubt in my mind they were going to close that story the way this ended. Like, yeah. they, the end result was exactly what they wanted. They wanted to end this in some kind of a gimmick to – close the door on it and to be done with it. And I, I'm not, I'm not unhappy to see, you know, a casket match get introduced in AEW. And as a matter of fact, I would love to see, it sounds wild, but I'd love to see the Lucha brothers against the young bucks in a, in a casket match. I mean, they've done all the other gimmick tag matches. Why not? I bet you they'd make it really well. Well, I mean, those two teams together are going to do do exactly. what they do. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Any final thoughts on this match, guys? Before before we move to the next one, I mean, I, I think I kind of agree with Rob that it was probably the one match I was like, yeah, okay, I could have did without. <sighs> to me, I don't know if I could like do without. It was just weird. Yeah. I, maybe maybe because again, it took a year to get there, but yeah, uh, maybe, I don't know, but it was just something about it. It was just off. Not that it was bad. It was just off. I mean, it's kind of like the build up to the, the hangman page Moxley match, you know, it's like you had the build up, then it's not, then you had the build up, then it's not Difference is They didn't do anything to continue the storyline while Christian was gone. So, but it's over with moving on. Fair enough. Next up on the list is the World Trios Championship. Holy hell, this matchup. The House of Black challenging the Elite. And I I don't know how many times that there were V-triggers and variations of V-triggers hit. I don't know how many super kicks were in this match. I don't know how many 450s, 630s, Centon, you name it. But good God, these guys beat the snot out of each other. This is a this was really a lot of fun, but it was a great match just overall. Um, I love seeing matches where the Young Bucks kind of prove that they can go on more of a gritty level. And I think uh, Matt Jackson continues to prove that he is... It, if he and Matt... Excuse me. He and Nick were to stop tag teaming, Matt Jackson could be a, a real single star, I think. Nah, nah, nah. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, my, my again, I, I think the timing 
this would have been on earlier pay-per-views had things not transpired the way they transpired. Um, and we would have had this a long time ago. Hey, spit a guy. Yeah, he's a big guy. Um, but, like, I really think that, like, they went at it so hard that Kenny might have knocked out Black at one point. Um, oh, yeah. That double knee spot in the corner. Well, that and the um, they're going for the Meltzer driver, and Nick comes in with the uh, somersault. And Buddy Murphy, Buddy Matthews, comes flying over with that knee shot to the face. I, th- yeah. I thought that connected full on. I, I love, I love those shots where you just can't tell. The camera work in this match was tremendous. It, it really, really made made this match even better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love this match from the beginning. I think you know, obviously. So I would say at this to this point, it's the match of the night. Um, it was just one of those that you're like, okay. And I actually felt myself sitting up at the edge of the couch going, oh shit, is this how it's going to end? It's going to how it end. They got me, you know, you're like, ah, okay. Um, but, uh, definitely was thinking also through the whole thing that I hope, um, Malachi get black, gets his own, gets a, gets a run on his own. Um, feel like, him having the House of Black and the thing they've done has been good, but it's like, oh, could you imagine him unleashed, you know, as a singles guy? So hopefully we get to see that as the the, the time goes forward. Yeah, so something something tells me that with the performance that was done. And then the reaction afterwards that you're probably going to see Malachi get a run probably with a singles title somewhere along the way. Um, Straight to MJF behind Ricky Starks. Yeah, yeah, we'll put him behind Ricky. <laughs> but only behind Ricky. Okay, be very careful. Ricky's next. <laughs> uh, I mean, that was like... When they won, I was happy, right? But the reaction from the crowd, without a doubt, is one of the craziest reactions that's ever happened in AEW. I mean, there, it was loud. Well, actually, this entire show had the crowd involved. Uh, even parts where I didn't expect them to be involved. But this match, especially, yeah, crowd reaction was off the charts. It was great. Um, I liked seeing Kenny Omega and Malachi Black. I want to see a solo match of these guys. I want to see it so bad because I bet you it's going to be amazing. Um, and this one just proves proves even further, by the way, that Kenny Omega is next level. Like him and Malachi Black, I, I gotta agree with Rob. I hope he does get a run because both of them just perform at a level that's just not. No one else is close. Well, there's some that are maybe close, but not real close. Mm, I mean, there's a few that are close. 
Because Kenny mean, has a way of like he's almost like you know the the good ones where they can wrestle a broom and make it look good. He's done that, by the way. Yeah, and a, <laughs> and a blow up doll. And That's a right. Ten year old right. kid and yeah. So and I I don't know if Malachi can do that. Not to say you know maybe he could. But that's what makes Kenny, you know, Kenny can take a, somebody and make them look like a million bucks. Well, and that's what I like. And going on what you're saying, Brian, is, the, you know, Kenny Omega can get in the ring with anyone and meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. it, and it's a good match. That's a you good know, way you of got, saying that. You know, you got those wrestlers that can come out and they're just amazing. And then they make the other, it shows the other guy, it shows everybody where the other guy's not. You know, Kenny's not that. Kenny's one of those, he comes out and he's like, all right, we're in a three-way match. Okay, so it's not all about me. It's not all about all my spots, you know. Um, And somebody as good and talented as him and as high as he is doesn't mind, you know. Because a lot of people at his point could be like, no. Um, if it's not main event, I'm not being there. But um, this match was awesome from beginning to end. And um, that spot with uh, Brody Brody outside the ring where he was holding one of the young bucks by his throat. Oh, yeah. And he was just standing there like, I love him, and it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just planking the whole time while he's caught in that sleeper. He ain't going anywhere. He ain't fighting. He's just holding on and planking. He's just stuck. I thought he was out cold at first. I was like, damn, he just he passed out. The pacing on this match was great. They, they <laughs> kept this. You did not know when the finish was going to happen, and that was the coolest part. Well, you know, but again, though, it's you kind of go in expecting one thing. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, by now you're starting to figure out that this pay-per-view is not going the way you're expecting pay-per-views to go. And once again, AEW does the right thing and, like, takes you back to a time where you had no earthly clue what the hell was going on on a pay-per-view. Um, which they do very well. Tell me more about that, though. You said that it makes you, it, it gives you the feeling that this pay per view isn't going to go the way you th- think it's going to go. Explain that. Uh, so let's take uh, Jericho and Ricky Starks. Right? You know Jericho, so there's going to be shenanigans. Right. Right? Uh, Jericho's the GOAT. You know, and. Boom, Ricky wins. And you're like, holy shit, I didn't see that come. Even though, I I don't know, we may all pick Ricky last week. You know I what believe, I'm saying? I believe we did, only we all we all suspected it was possible Jericho pulled shenanigans. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking that, you know, even though we, we all picked it, there's a part of you that is in stunned disbelief. That actually happens. And so then uh, the second match, oh, yeah, you know, it, the smart thing is for Cage to win, right? You know, maybe maybe give this uh, feud a little bit more time to brew 
you know, Christian, you know, it's not hard to believe that Christian could beat Jungle Boy. Mm-hmm. Boom, Jungle Boy wins. You're like, okay, this is odd. This is weird. Uh, what are we, match three? What's match three? The, the triple threat? Trios title. Yeah, trios, or not triple threat, trios. Uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's Omega and the Bucks. Yeah, uh, we may all, again, we may have picked them. We may not have. But it was one of those ones where, nah, nobody saw it coming. <laughs> and so by by now you're like, uh, this is this is just weird, right? This is a pay per view where not only are you unsure of the outcomes, but when it happens, it makes sense. And it's another AW pay per view that again. You're unsure of who's going to win, which is something we haven't had in wrestling in so long. Yeah, from a predictability standpoint, there's with AEW, there's always that unknown factor. You know, yeah, you could feel pretty confident. Like, we were all pretty confident Starks was going to win. But there's always that factor of, well, maybe he doesn't. You know, Christian beating Jungle Boy again, good example, because Christian's had his number every single time. He's always found a way. Um, with the trios title, because it's the elite, you can't necessarily rule them out because it's them. But at the same time, the house of black has been so dominant. It is tough to make predictions when it comes to AEW. So yeah, I I absolutely agree with you. Um, man, up until the main event finished (coughs) up until the the end of the night, I thought the trios championship match was a match of the night. Uh, I, I would go so far as to put that thing, um, like again, if if there's a match of the year contender, mm-hmm. I put it a match of the year contender. Yeah, I which is weird for the, a six man. I am curious what the star ratings will end up being for that. By the way, next up's a triple threat for the AEW Women's World Championship. It's Soraya, it's Ruby Riot, Ruby Soho, damn it, I gotta quit saying that, <laughs> and Jamie Hayter for the AEW Women's Championship. Um, you know, Shane was very vocal, Shane from our uh, group chat, very vocal, saying, hey, not looking forward to this, not looking forward to Soraya, but I have to admit, Soraya actually did pretty well. She was selective where she got involved. The pacing of it was done in a way that really highlighted Jamie Hayter. Um, and again, much like the, the match before it did not see the finish of this match coming. Uh, yeah. I don't know if anybody picked Jamie. I picked Soraya. I thought for sure Soraya was going to win the title. I thought this was going to be some kind of a, well, kind of what we got only during the match. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's good for them that, uh, they, uh, you know, it's hard that they had to follow that, the, the six man. But it's good that they were able to keep a good steady pace mm-hmm. and make the match interesting. And, again, one of the things where you just you don't see the incoming because it was a, a roll up. 
if I remember right. It was a nice crucifix. She rolled her up tight and snug and got the three count. It was just like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> and this right. is what made me wonder if maybe the trio's title match had run long. Because this match finish just came out of nowhere. They were building to it. They were building to the end. And I, I, I swear, I thought for a minute that it was going to be Britt that made the turn. But... You know, they, they obviously didn't, and to Britt Baker's defense, she has held her word. Her <laughs> and Jamie are friends, and she's not going to turn against them. But, uh, yeah, this this it was a good three-way, a good triple threat here. And, um, again, I, I was disappointed that Ruby didn't win. Yeah, but uh, so this is another one of these. You have to pay attention to the long-term storytelling. Mm-hmm. And again, because storytelling is kind of a lost art, even to fans, um, it would like you can't have Brit turn on Jamie at this point because they've been teaching or talking for weeks about the outside influence and versus the homegrown team and. So you know there's more going to happen here. So you're going to find, you know, there will be another one to to put with Britt and Jamie, and then we'll get some type of big match somewhere down the line. And then maybe it happens. But she's liable to be the one to take it from Ruby or Soraya once they win the title, because I'm sure that'll happen as well. One of the two will. One of the two what? One of the two will get it. Rob, what were your standout thoughts on this match? Anything that popped off the page to you? All right. Oh, I get it. I see what I did there. Uh, uh. (laughs) Um. I agree. Like I saw, I didn't see Hater coming out with the belt. Um, I figured that this was, and I told Brian while we watched, when we watched it, it was, I, I said that this is a way for them to give it to Soraya and protect her a little bit, you know? Um, but I didn't see the swerve at the end coming. Brian called it as soon as it happened. And I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. Um, but listening he's, to what y'all say, like I could see, personally, I, I could see Britt Baker basically doing what has to be done to keep the belt on Hater until she's ready to take it from her. Mm-hmm. You know, you took it from me, so I'm going to take it from you. Right. Um. But <laughs> I agree. I kind of thought it was going to go a little longer, but um. Up to this point, I was highly impressed with the pace of the entire evening. You know, there wasn't any, really any downtime. I mean, damn, the the people barely got out of the ring from the match before, before the other people were already in the ramp. Yeah, I noticed that. So the trio's title match is done, and we're headed to the women's title match. And you can see Kenny on the outside where Don Callis is literally like, hey, we got to go. Keep moving. Like, he's kind of nudging Kenny Omega up the ramp. So, I'm I'm trying to 
figure out the proper way to say this. Jamie Hayter is going to take on anybody, and she's that kind of champion. They've done a good job of solidifying her as that. But realistically speaking, it's got to be Ruby or, or Soraya getting another shot, right? I mean, are we going to see somebody in between? I mean, again, why? if we're in a storyline, yeah. right, why do we have to take a break from the storyline? Well, they they don't necessarily have to take a break from the storyline, but I'm thinking is there because we got a long ways to go until uh full gear. So, no, not full gear. Damn, double or nothing. Let's get it right. Um and they haven't announced uh, Forbidden Door 2, although that seems to be pretty much a done deal. They just haven't announced the date yet for it. <clears throat> so we've got 2 months to double or nothing. You know, you've probably got we got St. Patrick's Slam, which is the uh, St. Patrick's Day edition of either Dynamite or Rampage. Um, so there's there's another special event in there, and I'm sure there's another Battle of the Belts coming up soon, too. But haven't we done things on regular Dynamites or Rampages? We have. Um, why? Again, though, I, I think... I think this is a matter of like we forget that we're talking about AEW. They don't care, you know, much like the WWE used to. They don't care if there's a title match on a Wednesday night and it changes hands. If it makes sense, it makes sense. They, I, you know, are you you probably going to see tag team matches? You're going to see. I mean, you have to introduce a third for uh, Hader and Britt Baker. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's still a lot to be played out where you don't have to, like, slow your momentum and say, oh, we have to give Riho a shot. Even though Riho m- would make no sense at the moment. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I, just, I mean, maybe, but I don't see where they're going to lose the momentum and just be like, ah, let's just do something to do something. Who would be the one to come in and join Hater and Baker? Would it be the girl they had before? Statlander? Don't forget Statlander's not still in Statlander's, the Statlander's uh, recovering from knee surgery. I don't know where she is on that recovery train. Rebel was dropped kind of to the sideline because they didn't want it to appear, appear too much like her being a, ba- a bad guy. They wanted it to be a good guy group. So that's why Rebel hasn't been on TV. The other person that could be a, a logical fit, though, would be Sheeta. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are options. Riho, again, though I said... You know, you're not going to throw in the mix for a title shot. Doesn't mean she can't join forces. But. Hey, she is on a winning streak. Got Nyla Rose, who's a AEW one, God and no. a really untapped in this whole situation. God no, 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 no. But didn't she wish to fear? Yep, Last sure. we saw, yes. 
Who, Nyla? She's in a tag match on Dark. Yeah, with Shafir. Plus, they're bad guys. I think. Heels. There's no bad guys in AEW. Only bad intentions. That's not true. MJF's definitely a bad guy. Um, I wasn't really disappointed by this match itself. Like I said, I think I would have liked to have seen Ruby win, but at the end of the day, it's really about more of a a longer term story and, and whether that's, um, Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker, or if it's a even longer term of Ruby Soho, eventually winning the title, maybe next year, we really don't know, but that's the cool thing about it is there's a lot of, there's a lot of openings there for it. And this is just another pay-per-view to continue this this storyline, which definitely doesn't have to be done. Certainly doesn't have to be finished at this point, especially since it really feels like it's just now growing some stronger legs. Well, I don't think it's going to be done anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, because again, I don't know. You know, this is it's almost like an invasion angle and. Mm-hmm. Almost kind of. Again, they've been telling us for weeks. The outsiders versus the originals, which means that there's more coming. There's more on the way. There's something brewing. You think they keep this as just a women's storyline, or do they start to mix in the guys? Uh, depends on how much. Uh, you know, like to me, it would depend on. How smart they are. If I'm smart, maybe I involve some of the guys. Because Lord knows the reaction AEW fans give them when you mention Stanford. Right. You know, if you're smart, maybe you capitalize on it. Um, But who knows? I mean, of the guys, I can think of one guy right off the top that I would immediately get involved with it simply because he's not been doing anything for quite a while. Um, But I can't really put my finger on other than one person who I would put into the mix for that as far as from an outsider perspective. Who? Miro. Yeah. And even that, that's, that's the thing about that is that's kind of a stretch because Miro really... Miro reinvent gets reinvented when he comes from WWE to AEW. So he's you could almost call him a homegrown. Nope. You know what nope. I mean? Like Nope. He's still he's still he's still come from Stanford. Sure. Malachi Black would be from Stanford. All the you know, like anybody that come from Stanford would fall into this very easy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, that's what made the NWO make sense. Hall and Nash were outsiders. And then the big, the real trader has been sitting here all along. And where'd he come from? He came from Stanford. I mean, you could do a whole, a whole thing with, uh, FTR and Adam Cole or CM Punk. Sure. Hey, like, 
Punk wouldn't might be a little bit different. I guess you could. Um, I feel FTR like when Punk shows sure. up, he'll be booed. Well, that's what you want, right? I think in the long run, yeah. Because yeah. you want you want him to be you want him to create controversy. And who are you sucking on a vape? No. You're a dirty liar. <laughs> You almost sound like Darth Vader. <laughs> I know. I am not your father. <laughs> Had such good things going for him, but now he's a vape sucking. Mm, he called you a vape sucking, like you're some vampire or something. Oh yeah, well you're a you're a window licker, Rob. Yeah, take uh, that. Uh, if I lick, lick windows, at least I'll still be able to breathe when I'm older. You can barely breathe now. Only when you're in the room with your vape. You gotta be ashamed of yourself. Did I have a friend that sucks on vapes? Yes. Wow. That's rude. (laughs) That's rude. No proof or evidence of any of these things. The whole world. They didn't hear The whole world. They didn't hear nothing. So, you hear me? So nothing. Rob, Rob, what do you think? Yeah. Yep. Could have just been static. No, but it's not. No. Yeah. Usually, the sounds of those is that sound like that is followed by man. It's been it's been man, it's been a couple weeks since I've had a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Not to worry. But anyway, uh, I don't Teach think Munir fits your, uh, fits your little thing there. Sorry. I think Miro's just uh, a little too much WWE in him. Stay on target. Yeah, could be. Could be Miro is too much. I don't know. I, I'm curious as to what they could do with it. You know, if they keep it at women, a women's angle. It's got, it got, it still has possibility. It still has a, a lot of room to grow, especially if they can get Mercedes there. Then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tony did say he will not talk about somebody else's talent, especially if they're at New Japan. Yeah, yeah. Suddenly we're real careful about what we say. I got you, Tony. Wink, <laughs> wink. You can't see it, but I'm giving you the real big wink. There you go, buddy. <laughs> Yeah. But again, that would be perfect for Forbidden Door. We could have an eight eight woman uh, tag match. I like that idea. That's a good one. And then you know when Bailey gets out at Forbidden Door three, we can have a nice little ten man match. I wonder when her contract actually expires. Not fast enough. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's really not much left for her to do as far as from a, just an overall accomplishment standpoint. Not in, not in WWE anyway. Right. I mean, like we've said several, you know, several times, you know, gone are the days where you have to stay at one place to have a career, you know. Five minutes and then one more. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, you heard you, it. You heard her, Stan. She said five more minutes. Countdown's on. Whoop your ass. Um, no. No. But anyway. <clears throat> You're scared of her, don't you? Just admit it. He's screwed nobody. Oh, you heard that, Brian? Yeah, he's saying he's scared. I ain't scared of nobody. Uh, she must be on, on contract until at least 24, because she's not listed as an upcoming free agent anywhere I can find. So, women's championship match ends, and again, this... This night's in fast forward. It's it's one right after the other after the other. We head straight into Hangman Page against John Moxley in a Texas Death Match. Page has new music or just new music for this match. I think it's new music. Sounded good. I liked it. I liked the the whole presentation of it. I mean, it, it gave a, a much more lone wolf kind of feel. I thought. What song was it again? Uh, Hangman Page's new theme. Yeah, but it's an actual song. Now that I didn't know. I can't. I, uh, I'll have to go back and uh, find it on the DVR. But that's an actual song. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's like a classic rock song or something. Now I got me looking it up. Ghost Riders in the Sky. Yeah, there you go. By the Outlaws. Yeah, that's it. How yeah, do you know that? Uh, I listen to classic rock. Like, that's all I listen to. No, although I don't know the year. I'd probably put it in the 70s, maybe. Maybe, maybe 60s, late 60s. Um, but yeah, I know that song. I think I'm it's looking. got like, yippee-ki-yay, yippee-ki-yay, some crap like that. It. <laughs> wow. I, I found it on YouTube here. I'm just kind of seeking through it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I guess I just didn't place it. Damn. Mm-hmm. Good call, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a, 
it would have come to me if I had thought about it, but it's easier just having somebody look it up. Ghost Riders in the Sky by the Outlaws. I think this song actually gets played during uh, Ghost Rider at some point. Wow. Cool. Okay. The comments on the uh, YouTube page for this. Uh, I guess this is AEW's official release of the theme. And there's comments it's all like, wow, I remember this from this movie. I remember this from this movie. I guess it's been in a lot of Westerns. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, I don't know about a lot of westerns. Maybe, but I don't watch westerns. But... <laughs> Not at all. It is a no. Nah, nah, I mean, some. But... Like Tombstone. Yeah, Tombstone. I mean, I watch some, but I mean, some of them westerns were just way too campy. Blazing Saddles. That's a good western to watch. Hey, shout Y'all out never to my seen wife. Blazing Saddles? <laughs> no, you know what? I've actually never seen Blazing Saddles. Not all the way through. I've seen parts, but not all the way through. <laughs> that is one movie that could not be made today. No, no. There's a lot of uh, quotes in there that they probably couldn't fly. What was your guess as far as uh, how long it would take for Mox to start bleeding uh, on, <laughs> on during this matchup, by the way? Five minutes. Well, you were wrong, Brian. Listen, you're going to keep fucking around with trying to time Mox and bleeding, and one day he's going to bleed you. It was less than two minutes into this match, and he was bleeding like a faucet. Are you serious right now? Okay, okay, bully. Where's your table at? (laughs) It's too much blood. It's too much. It's gratuitous. Now, the spot that got my stomach queasy was the whole fork. That was nasty. And with blood splattering everywhere. I mean, come on. That was. There were. This match got a lot of conversation. It was very polarizing on social media. Um, WrestlingInc.net or no, WrestlingInc.com, excuse me, Raj Geary, the owner of that site, said it wasn't for him. He thought it was too much. He's not into seeing all that blood, guts, and gore. Uh, WWE's correspondent, Ryan Satin, does a lot of uh, work for their documentaries. He actually comes to the defense of the match saying, come on, this is wrestling. How can you not expect this out of a Texas death match? Thank you. Um, in In our group chat, I think most of us were like, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. This is supposed to be a knockdown, drag out fight. You're going to see blood. And our... Resident contrarian Sonny says, basically, I could have did without all the blood. It would have made better sense if only Hangman bled. To that I say, huh? That's like having a match with Ric Flair and saying the only person that has to bleed is the one who's not Ric Flair. So, again, I think this is an instance where the WWE has screwed the fans over. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we wouldn't have this conversation in the 80s. And I dare say we wouldn't have it in the 90s. Nope. Because, listen, if if you don't believe me, when uh, Magnum T.A. and Tully Blanchard had I quit match. Right? We've all seen it. That was, that was pretty nasty. 
But if we'd had social media at the time, when we had the likes of Bruiser Brody and Abdullah the Butcher and, you know, a Texas death match was exactly what, oh, not quite exactly, but what happened in Texas death match in the 80s would have been exactly what happened last night, where there would be blood and people would bleed and the whole nine yards. We wouldn't have this conversation. But once WCW folded and there was no ECW to bleed for us, we lost, right? We, you forgot that wrestling is not, you know, it's, it's, there's blood involved sometimes. Yeah. Case in point, when Vince took over ECW, what happened? Things stopped being extreme. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the only time there was really any blood was when Bob Holly went through the table and lacerated his back. That was pretty nasty, too. I remember that. Yeah, because that was a bad fucking laceration. Yeah. Um, you have war games and nothing. Yeah, war games and nothing. Yeah, yeah. That's the one that always stood out for me. How do you have war games? You're literally grinding someone's face into a cage, you know, and nothing. Nothing happens. Even in the blue bars, the blue rounded bars cage. King Kong, Bundy, and Hogan at WrestleMania 2. Bundy bled. Did he? Yeah. Hmm. I always thought that cage was too big. The the squares were just way too big. I think it was, to me, it was always done that way just so that Hogan could actually climb it. (laughs) That wouldn't surprise me. Hogan's big old body at that point. I mean, he was not exactly very graceful <laughs> at that stage of his run. Um, at WrestleMania too. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it was it was made for one better TV because it was wider options, the camera angles and stuff. And I thought and that, it was a bright blue color because I don't remember Hogan climbing the cage in WCW when they had the old cage. Shit, no. You know, like, so I think it was just a Hogan would climb the motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. I never I never thought of it in that, uh, you know, context, that it was for Hogan and nobody else. Well, if you want a good example of that, remember the cage match, the alliance to end Hulkamania, where literally you had ten guys against Hogan and Savage, and the cage had extended platform there so he could climb the cage or extended bars or whatever the hell. Well, I mean, even like in W in WCW, when he went, yeah. when they did the matches with like Piper, it was the cage that went all the way around the ring onto the floor. Yep. Yep. <laughs> age in the cage. And the only time I ever saw Hogan climb the cage was during, with Paul Orndorff at Saturday night's main event. Where they landed at the same time. Still to this day, I'm like, how did they do that? Because I watched it several times. Like, do they look at each other? But well, I'm sure there was probably some camera work involved. That's another good example of of good production. Like they made yeah. sure that it showed at a certain time. They timed it very nicely. Well, I mean, don't forget too that it was probably on a 30 second delay. So, you know, you can always freeze one to have it line up with the second one if, if you miss. 
and then that way it shows out right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like, you know, the other times we've seen it, it's like, oh, what what angle? You know, like Kofi, the couple last couple of Royal Rumbles. Mm-hmm. Mm. Camera just happens to be in the wrong area. Well, you're done, Cody. <laughs> Kofi. Hey, speaking of Kofi, shout out to Kofi Kingston getting hurt Friday night. Um, and you might want to put the blame for this one solely on Karrion Cross. Cross co- comes out with a uh, somersault dive to the outside from SmackDown and, and just lands on Kofi. First, I thought it was Kofi's arm that he broke, just the way they all fell, fell down. But actually, it turns out to be his ankle. Uh, we don't know a whole lot except to know that he was had it all taped up, and uh, we do not know how long he'll be out. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's that's bad. Yeah, not good, Mr. Cross. You need to uh, pay closer attention, and I'm sure you know that. Uh, looking at this uh, last man standing Texas death match, here's the question I had for you. Texas death match, my understanding of that rule is – you get pinned or you give up, and then you've got 10 seconds to get up. That's how the match ends. When did we change the rules of a Texas death match? Are you sure that? Well, help me out. Am I getting it wrong? No, no. I So, like, um, I would maybe pull it up. Like, you should, there should be a website with it. What's that one you like to look at that's normally wrong? Cage match, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pro Wrestling Wiki, we'll go to a different one, says the Texas Death Match is a wrestling match similar to the Last Man Standing match. The only difference being they must be pinned, and then a 10 count is initiated. If the person pinned fails to get up by the count of 10, the participant loses the match. That's very professionally written, might I add. Yeah, so, well, they changed the rules. I guess to make it their own. Because um, it, it was, uh, what was it, submission? Yeah, I mean, he wins the match by submission. He basically chokes Mox out. Mox taps, it's over, it's done, boom. Hangman wins. Which is fine. I, I thought the match itself was awesome. No, no, yeah, but I thought they gave the rules at the beginning. You had to yeah. win by submission or something else. Now, if they did that, I completely missed it. I think it was a submission or a 10 count. Oh, okay. Now, that makes better sense. If they solidified it that way, that's, that makes sense. Okay. Because that's why when Hangman Page was on the outside and Mox was like, counting, counting, counting. Yeah. Well, they did that. Yeah, they did that a couple times. I think even Mox, they tried to uh, hit the 10 count on Mox, too. And didn't it didn't like Paige get up at like nine one time? One of them was super close. Oh yeah, Paige like almost not only got counted out of the ring, but he almost lost the match because I was like, is he breaking the count or is he getting back? Is he not losing? Yeah, that was kind of weird. That was weird. Like he's outside the ring and he's 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 at eight and a half basically, and you're like, wait, he's getting is he getting up? And then he finally gets in there and just just under the count, but he doesn't really get up. He just rolled in. Dove in, I guess. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm almost positive Justin Roberts gave um, gave the rules right at the right at the start. 
Now, something that that happened in this match a few times really kind of irritated me. And I don't know when these guys forgot how to, to shoot some of these angles, but I don't need to see literally a referee handing a blade to the wrestler. Like, he did it to Paige, he did it to Mox at a couple different points. Mox even gets outside the ring, and you see him as he's walking towards the guy with the camera, towards the camera. He's pulling, you know, the 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 blade from his tape on his wrist, and then we get, they, they could do a sequence, and then the next thing you know, Mox is bleeding worse. It's... I don't have a problem with the blading and all of that. That's just part of the deal. But somebody's got to say to production, guys, you know, change the angle, get a crowd reaction, focus on the guy who's getting ready to deliver his next move, whatever the case may be. Because during this part, um, and it, again, the referee is is ultimately the guy to keep this concealed. He does nothing to do that. So... Like, is it the ref's fault if the uh, production doesn't get it right? No. If anything, the referee should be – somebody should be in his ear. I don't even – help, listen, help so, me out because it's, it's a production thing rather than a it's the ref's fault specifically. No, it, it's not anybody's fault. This has been an issue probably as long as they've played it on TV. This is not. This is not new. This is, you know, been going on forever. I bet you, if you go look on, you know, whatever, uh, you know, it, like, well, go to YouTube and type in like top ten uh, wrestling blading mistakes, or <laughs> you know what right, I'm saying. Right. If you figure yeah. out the pattern, they'll show you this stuff has been going on forever and a day. Um, I think it's the, uh, what was it? Dusty and Tully's, uh, first blood match. Uh, I, th- I think it's that one. You can clearly see the blade. Um, I mean, so this has been going on since, you know, I know of since the eighties where, where you just get caught. Yeah. It's live TV. It's you know the the you got to worry about the the guy working the cameras. You got to worry about the cameraman. You got to worry about the production assistant. You got to worry about the head uh, the head producer in the back. You got to worry about did anybody fill these people in? Did you know? Hey, this is when we're going to do it. This is make sure the camera's not on. You know, so and so are the wrestlers conscience of, you know, if a camera's right in their face, should you pull the blade out? Probably not. However, if this is a spot in the match and I got to pull it out, I got, you know, I got to pull it out. Is this a factor of them just calling it in the ring? You think? No, this, this, there is nothing about that match. Blood wise that was called in the ring. Like you, you're I, like after you're bleeding, you're bleeding. Yeah. 
I mean, that goes to the, the people like Brian said in the production truck. You know what I mean? Like, you're watching the action. When the guy gets hit, then maybe don't zoom in on him. Right. You know? Right. Move mm-hmm. on. But, you know, we've also seen certain things over the time where people have done that. I mean, I don't, I can't remember what, was it Austin or who was it that was actually in the middle of blading when they got hit again? You know? Oh, God. I mean, like, how many times do we see uh, Shane Douglas and Raven do it to each other in TNA? You know, like, they're down kind of, then they get kicked in the back of the head, and the next thing you know, the, the cut is a lot deeper than it probably should. Right, yeah. Right. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I mean, again, I'll almost lay you money that you can find a video on YouTube where people have been caught blading on TV and it probably goes all the way back to the seventies. Maybe even maybe in the fifties or sixties. I don't know. I don't know how much blood that they had back then, but you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it happens. I put and, that with, sorry, go Brian. No, no. Well, I was going to say, even at forbidden door where mocks clearly blades, Right. And I don't know, because I was there, so I don't know what was caught on camera. But you can clearly see him blading. And again, if if, there's so much involved to miss that, to intentionally miss it, you know, I'll almost lay you money, too. You've probably seen it more times than you care to count. And you've just never picked up on it. You know, the little the little swipe of the head or, you know, you you can like they'll be in the ring and their their thumb and their finger are closed. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Where they're actually holding it. And, you know, you, you may you may have picked up on it. Sometimes you may not have. And it, it's just, you know, I, you know, I guess it bugs you to the point where you're actually paying more attention. At the well, moment, I guess you, but, after a while, you see it so often. It's like, damn, and there it is again, and damn, and there it is again. Yeah. You know, and it after a while, when you don't see it as much, I think you, you're right. I think you kind of lose lose that sensitivity to it, and that might not be the right way to word that, but it's it is a testament to how good these guys are at it 90% of the time so that we happen to get to a match as, you know, as, as gritty as this Texas death match. And, you know, we get three different miscues on a camera. I don't necessarily say like, ah, oh, the match is awful because of it, but yeah, it got annoying, but you, you, you're probably right on that. Give it a few months if they don't get caught again for a while. And it'll be just back to like, Oh damn, he's really busted again. Well, nah, we I mean, know he's doing it. Yeah, well, I mean, you're always going to know that, but I mean, like, it's there's a way to, you know, make it make sense. I mean, it all goes back to timing, and in a match <clears> like that, it's it's the timing that wasn't there. That's in a normal match, you know, in a normal match, when somebody oh, this is this is the point where they're going to go down to the mat. They pan the camera to somebody, and they pan, and they're hammering the crowd or whatever. Yeah. Then they go back, oh, my God, they're bleeding, you know? Like, where were we where some guy just, like, did a big slice across the forehead? 
feel like we were watching a match sometime and some guy came up and it's like, oh, that is not the way you do that. Yeah, it might have been and, AWE. You know, was it was it was it, it, it was something that we were seeing and we're like, <clears throat> that's not right. But then, like, I think about it also is like the blade things. Like, I mean, how many times do Hollywood studios miss a cue? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, hell, they edited a whole thing of Game of Thrones and missed a Starbucks cup. Yeah, that's true. It is crazy you know, to see a, a show of that high of production value. Mm-hmm. And again, so, we're talking live TV with this. Yeah, so it's not so like this is live TV, so you're going to miss certain things. Like mm-hmm. your other things are, they've been scripted and edited and edited, <laughs> and they still miss yeah. it. Yeah, you know, or the game when we were kids of like, you know, the person has a cast on their left arm, and in the next scene they have it on their right. So we got three matches to go. Go ahead, just final shot there. uh, Real quick. So, again, so I just typed in how many times have wrestlers been caught blade on TV or whatever. Yeah. Here's an article. I mean, mean, like, there's plenty of them. Six times in the WWE wrestlers have been caught blading. Mm -hmm. Roman Reigns was caught. Chris Jericho, Ric Flair, and Macho Man, Randy Orton, CM Punk, and Lawler. The Rock was, I mean, it's nothing new. I, I think it's just, you're probably just hypersensitive to it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, that's been going on forever in a day. Getting caught, and again, you probably just never, for whatever reason, paid attention to it. It's kind of like the leg slaps. Yeah. Oh, Didn't yeah. know it was a thing until until suddenly everybody's <laughs> talking about leg slaps, and now it's like, damn, quit, quit doing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's the- just like when, you know, like watching Raw and John Cena's in there. Like, how many times have you seen the five knuckle shuffle? He's nowhere even close to the guy's head. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, or it's Flair's like, knee oh! drop. Remember when Flair used to do that uh, knee drop? Hey, oh, dear God. let's this not besmirch be the the name of Ric Flair. Yeah, he does that all by himself. I don't need help. You better shut your mouth. <laughs> you okay, know he this... wants to redo his last match. I don't I care. That. that is, he was. He doesn't feel like he was in as good a shape as he could have been, and got winded too early. And he wasn't hydrated properly. He said. Yeah, like, dude. But eventually, there's going to be people that are like, you know what? I'm sorry. You've had your last, 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 last match. <laughs> right. You know? You two can just go to hell right now. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like Tom Brady. Like, oh, is Tom Brady coming back? Nobody cares. you just trying to twist that knife, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Brian, at least, at least Ric Flair... Just as your saving grace, at least when he looks straight ahead, both eyes are looking straight ahead. My favorite well, is, is looking too. left and right. That's a good so, it's it's a damn shame, but there he goes. And hey, Ric Flair's got a comic book coming out too. Huh? Oh yeah, you heard me. Huh. He's like a secret agent or something. <laughs> secret agent Flair. Okay. TNT Championship was up next. Samoa Joe defending against Wardlow. Um, 
this match was damn fast. And uh, I, I'm kind of like not sure what happened here, but Wardlow chokes out Samoa Joe to his own finish. Uh, what? Like, okay, great. Wardlow wins. That's cool and all. And we're going to have a nice match with him and Hobbs. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just a way to differ. It's, it's another way for them to make a break between ROH and AEW. Yeah. So I actually have no problem with the finish. Because if it's a finisher, who it doesn't matter who applies it. It should still be a finisher. No, and in that part, I, I dug that part. The fact that Wardlow puts him in, and out of respect of his own finish, Joe Joe's out cold. He doesn't doesn't break out of it or whatever. Even though you know, because he's the master of that, he could have they could have explained it. But no, I did like that the, it was the finish that it actually ended it. It just was a surprise. Once again, what does AEW do better than anybody? Surprise the hell out of you. I feel like Hobbs is going to come away with the title this Wednesday anyway. That's my man Hobbs. Good. Any any other thoughts on this match other than what we've already covered? I mean, there's really not much to say about it. No, I think they're a victim of, much like the female match, they're a victim of what came first. Right. So... Fatal four-way tag team championships on the line. The Gun Club defending against Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett, Danhausen and Orange Cassidy, and the Acclaimed. I think a lot of people fully expected to see the Acclaimed get the titles back, um, especially after we see Jarrett and Lethal and Danhausen and Orange Cassidy qualify for this for this matchup. It became almost well obvious that that was what was going to most likely happen. But, to your point, especially from the previous match, AEW does it better than just about anybody. Surprise, surprise, we get a pretty entertaining tag match, actually. Um, my favorite part of this match was uh, where Satnam Singh gets in the ring, and uh, Dan Housen is getting ready to curse him. He's getting ready to go for the choke slam. Cassidy rushes in, hits the Superman punch. The Orange Crush, I think is what he calls it. And uh, Danhausen then drops down Johnny Cage style and punches him right square in the balls. It was hilarious. You know what? What's what was interesting about this match is I couldn't figure out why or how it was Orange Cassidy and Danhausen that managed to get in here, right? Right, not the best friends. Right, which would have made better sense. Agreed. I'm with you there. However. This is one of those cases where you just forget about history. Yeah. Who is the one that started the ass boys? Dan Housen. 
Danhausen. So then it, you know, I didn't think about it. I didn't, I didn't remember until today. So now it made sense why he was in there. Well, you can't have him with Chuck or Trent. Throw him in there with Orange Cassidy. So it was, it's, again, it's, this is this weird little thing AEW does that you just, you forget shit like that. But yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen Jarrett and, and Lethal win. Oh, but. shut your mouth. Stop. No, no one wants to see that. No, 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 no. Nobody wants to see Jarrett win that. Stop it. Stop it. Well, I mean, at the time, we didn't have. You didn't have a, a certain tag team come back. So yeah, I would have been fair. okay with them, too. That's I would have been okay with them, too. But, you know, afterwards, FTR shows up, and now I want to see FTR beat the shit out of the Ash Boys. I love that. FTR had us all believing, basically, April, we're going back to WWE. Instead, it's, eh, we took some time off. We re-signed. We're locked in long-term contracts. <laughs> Tony Khan is, you know, the cat that ate the canary kind of thing. He's just got a grin on his face the whole time, like, eh, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. We love FTR. They're great. <laughs> so, are they re-signed? Because I didn't see it. They're under a long-term deal until uh, mid-2024. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Good enough. Good enough. I mean, yeah. don't, don't get me wrong. I feel like they would do fine if they did come back, but no, nah, I think AEW is where they should be. Oh, in the WWE, you think they'd do fine? They'd, they'd probably get treated. Uh, well, I got to be careful here because I don't want to set this up. They would be treated fairly. But in the way that it, that WWE treats tag teams, it wouldn't be for very long. Like, Cody right now is on a mythical run. I don't know when it's going to end, but it will end at some point. And inevitably, someone's going to say, ah, he was screwed. I don't know about that. But tag team-wise, we know that you know you got six months as a tag team, maybe. The Usos are an anomaly. Well, the Usos are there because they've screwed all the other tag teams. Right. And you can't put it on the new day because two thirds of the new day is hurt now. So, yeah. uh, so I actually think that while it may not diminish from FTR's ultimate legacy, I don't think it would have done them any good to go back. And the reason I say that is because again, this is a, a rare talent that needs to be shared with the world. Yeah. And I think that's, in my mind, that's where the mistake would have come to re-sign with the WWE. Not that they wouldn't have been treated bad or whatever, but again, it's like, you know, that's how the Rock and Roll Express became so big. They were national. You know, they were a national act and mm-hmm. a, a regional territory, you know, for the most part. Um. And again, I, I just I think FTR needs to be shared with everybody. Everybody. That's just me. Share them with the world. They're like M and M's. Don't you share M and M's? 
They melt in your mouth, not in your hand. No, no, no. What's the candy you share? And it Eminem. It, it Don't is. you share yeah. with everybody? Yes, that's yeah. why the, the anyway. <laughs> Rob, thoughts on the uh, Fatal Four Way Tag Match, and of course the return of FTR. I mean, I was excited again. Nostradamus of AEW, Brian called it, but um, with FTR returning, um, FTR is my one of my favorite tag teams right now, and um. The four-way, I did not see the the gun club retaining, um, but it makes sense, you know, for them to retain because you wouldn't want them to lose it right out of the gate because they claimed and the guns need their rematch. So, um, I mean, I, I liked it. I thought it... And, one thing I've got to say about the card is I felt like every match was really placed where it needed to be. I mean, from a, from an overall layout, they delivered it. And what I said early on was that they had their foot on the gas the entire time. They really did not stop to take a breath. Even with the, the Texas uh, death match, that video package was only what? Two minutes long. So they barely had enough time to get reset there. And this one, the FTR comes out. They come dashing to the ring. They brawl with uh, the guns. And somehow Dax gets busted open over his eye. What the hell happened there? Yeah, Cash was looking at him, like rubbed his head like, what the hell, man? We can right. here five minutes. <laughs> exactly. By the way, that spike pile driver, perfect. Looked perfect. What I thought was funny is on Twitter um, today, Dax called it the Shatter Machine instead of the Big Rig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, they. He is so good at making people believe whatever he wants them to believe. Yeah, you gotta love Uncle Dax. Yeah, yeah, he's he's one of the best. I can't wait to see his his 100% singles run. You know it's going to happen. You know he's going to go on a singles run before he finally retires. Oh, I'm sure. That'll be phenomenal. I just can't wait till Uncle Dax gets to join CM Punk. Oh, CMFTR is happening. I'm almost convinced of it now. Every chance they get, they take jabs. And MJF takes the biggest jabs. And I'm fine with that. Like, I'm totally fine with that. I can't wait to see what happens next. Like, yeah, well, it's, 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 it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so now we get to the main event. A one-hour Iron Man match, MJF and the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. Um, to MJF's credit, he made a comment about how he'd heard on social media and basically fans, myself included, said, hey, you know, MJF is tremendous on the mic. He is amazing on the microphone, but I don't know if he can really go 60 minutes with a guy like Brian Danielson. 
I freely admit that that's what I said. And I freely admit that MJF proved me wrong in every goddamn sense of the word. Because, damn, if this match didn't just... This was... uh, This, this was five stars. This had to be a five-star match. It was done so well. And MJF plays this role so perfectly that... People that want to be a bad guy in this industry, you have got to just watch MJF and do everything he does. Well, not everything, but most things. Because if you want to be a top guy the way top guys need to be now, MJF's the blueprint for it. I really believe that. Um, so I think it was a career-defining moment. Oh, yeah. For him. Um, which, because I, I never expected him to pull it off. And I like him, Jeff, but I never thought he was going to be able to hang with Danielson, let alone I beat him. Yeah. And again, when you... thanks to the magic of AEW. <laughs> right. Never know. When you look at a guy like MJF going in there with Brian Danielson, you really don't know how this match is going to be delivered. Because we've seen a few Iron Man matches at that time, and you know it could have gone just 60 straight minutes and one sudden death fall, and that's it. Could have taken the Kurt Angle-Brock Lesnar approach where they traded falls multiple times. You really didn't know what to expect. Did you have any kind of uh, expectations going in either way? I I felt that when I remember telling Brian, I was like, hey, it was going to be – it's going to be tied right. at the end. And then time's going to run out. Like their falls counts – I thought it would be like one or two falls apiece. You know, um, but I mean, like, like you all said, this match was, um, it, it had me going, all right, I thought Daniel, Brian Danielson was going to do it. I was like, you know what? He's going to win the title. And then it was just like, um, and so. Just from beginning to end, with the, the the match, the 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 spots that you're like, all right, why is this? Oh, oh, he did that. He did that. And so, um, it's those things that just made this match again. Match and it just solidifies that you're looking at Brian Danielson, one of the best wrestlers in the world today. And MJF, an amazing, he reminds me so much of the eighties heels that we have been missing. Mm-hmm. You know, the one that just kind of gets there and then he keeps going. And, um, he, like he perfects the craft of, honing in each and every angle that he does against the opponent that he's at so that you forget that he's done this shit before. 
you know? Right. You know, like the way he has kind of worked the whole Daniel, the Brian Danielson thing. I know I'm messing up the name tonight, but whatever, I'm old. Um, <laughs> it's just, you know, like going in the way that he had this, you're thinking, all right, he's going to win. He, Brian Danielson's going to win because, you know, he's been working his ass off all these weeks. Mm-hmm. So, um, I liked it. Brian, same question. Did you have any preconceived notions before this match even really got started? Well, I mean, I'm <clears throat> pretty sure I was expecting Danielson to win for pretty much the same reasons that Rob was saying. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, I don't know of anybody on the planet that has been turning matches out like him. Um over the last, uh, what, month or so? Danielson has been many times over from wherever company he's been working. And this isn't just limited to AEW. He's been vocal about not wanting to become the champion, but wanting to work with as many people as possible. Well, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about that. Like, like, again, you find me a bigger workhorse over the last two months than him. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he, you're not going to be able to find one. And that's what, uh, that was the sole reason why I thought he was going to win, was that he had just been outperforming everybody on the planet. Um, but uh, I was, I was wrong. Pleasantly wrong. So I liked that they they stayed true to the rules that, you know, the low blow happens, there's a DQ, a fall added to Danielson, and then there's the two pins in a row. That was the only thing that kind of was like, uh, all right, you get kicked in the nuts, you're going to stay down that long? Like, is that how that goes? Must have been one hell of a kick to the nuts. Uh, you ain't never been kicked in the nuts? I mean, obviously, but still. Rob, Rob. If, if you be so kind, mark the time. The next time we see Stan, first you kick him in the nuts, and then I'll <laughs> kick him in the nuts. Yeah. Wait, wait, that's not how Rochambeau is played. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how long it takes for you to get up. I mean, Rochambeau. He, he gets two straight falls from this, though. And honestly, I kind of expected him to kind of cower away. But he actually turned it on and, t- and kept at it, turned the pressure on. And that's what made – I mean, MJF just goes into another level at this point. Um, Danielson, of course, is always tremendous coming back from, from the kind of that underdog position. The fans are – I think, honestly, he could go out there and smack Tony Khan in the face and the fans would cheer him. I, I think he's that popular. Um, so this was just – this was a, a, a great – opportunity to see both sides of these guys and we could have honestly seen they they didn't do this but we could have seen them even attempt a double turn and it would have been good uh i think that's your wwe booking coming into play could be could be it's one of those things where you could have easily seen the crowd change sides well i mean i think that's the thing with mjf it's just popular pooing 
Yeah. He's good at what he does. So, like, I mean, everything from the, you know, dumping the trash can out on people, you know. That was funny. For no reason but just to do it, you know. Um, Pouring the drink on the kid that we all know was a work. Um, But it's just he is personifying that that I am the heel, you know. And it doesn't like even when even when Brian Danielson tried to be a bad guy, mm-hmm. people still cheered for him. Right. You know, so like he's got that. Ah, shucks. I'm the good guy. You know, like <laughs> um, it's just the way it's going to be. So the, the matchup ends, right? We, we get to the end of the 60 minutes. We get the end of regulation. And really thinks, really, it looks like they're just going to go forward with the draw. And I thought to myself, man, if they ended it here like this, I'd be okay with it because that was a hell of a matchup. But Tony Schiavone comes down, and, you know, he's on the headset. I, I okay, I'll, I'll tell him, TK, I'll tell him. So he goes down, and, and it, this, I'm like, wait a minute, something's about to happen here. And so then all of a sudden, of course, the gears start turning. Who's coming out? Who's going to. Who's making a return? Who's debuting or anything like that? But instead, they go into the overtime. They do sudden death. And what could have easily been just the shot with the oxygen tank, and that's it. Instead of that, we get another seven minutes of action between the two. So just when we think, really, they're done, no, they're really not. And we get even more work. I mean, the referee takes the belt away from him. The referee takes the ring away from him. The referee, I mean, these were, these were key moments and it was just, it was just so well done. I liked, I liked the moment where he was the ref finally just looked at him, go ahead, hit him with it. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty good. <laughs> You're going to lose the title. Go ahead. Do it. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Hit him with it. Like, then he'll win. And guess what? He wins. Right. I I don't I definitely don't think it was like on the fly, but I'm so glad they continued that match. Yeah, because you might you might have legit seen a riot. Oh, the the fans in attendance, <laughs> bullshit, bullshit. I mean, it was <laughs> loud. It was palpable, man. You could feel it with the anger that was coming through the TV. And like I said, just because I personally felt I'd have been okay with the draw, doesn't mean that. 9,000 in attendance are going to let you get out of that building because, I mean, it was such a good match. You did not want to see it end that way. Yeah, and I I think I even, like, at that point was trying to speculate, like, what was going to happen. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, Danielson's going to win now. You know, they they pissed the crowd off. Now they're going to send them home happy. Right, right. Uh, I did think that was going to be the way it went. Yeah, yeah. Especially after again the the belt and the the ring and um you know Danielson getting a couple of moves in and then all of a sudden you're like oh fuck and when he when he goes out to the ring and they show him sitting there smirking with the oxygen tank you're like you y'all got me you mm-hmm. motherfuckers <laughs> you know. 
And it was well done. I mean, I, I felt like it was a little overbooked, but it was still well done. If I got to call something overbooked, that's really splitting hairs. And that's what I said last night. You know. Well, I don't see. I don't think it was overbooked. I think it was done correctly because, again, remember, not five minutes ago, they were ready to riot. Mm-hmm. Oh, if yeah. They finished yeah. that match. Yeah. And now MJF wins and everybody's just stunned. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was done in a way where everybody comes out looking better of this match. Everybody. I thought Bryce Rensburg did a hell of a job, by the way, referee wise. I mean, just keeping track of everybody. Um, MJF. I, I don't know who is his next direct challenger is because I say Ricky Starks thinking in the meantime, right between now and the pay-per-view, but Adam oh Page God, just wins the over it. It's you're not just not a Starks. Stark. It's I'm trying to make fetch happen. Adam Page wins the Texas Death Match. You have an argument for that. Adam Cole is coming back in March this week or next week. Um, an argument could be made for Mox. You know what I mean? Like you've got room to to say who could be in there. Uh, I just, I think we just need to wait and see. There are several, mm-hmm. several ways you can go. I, you know, again, uh, I don't think he's going to lose it. So, it's, but I think it's way too early for Ricky Starks to get thrown in that when you're just starting to build a lot of momentum. Rob's just not. You guys are just not Starks fans. No, it's got nothing to do with not being a fan, but think about it. You put him in there now, he's not going to win. I'm not you know sure not anybody's going to beat uh, MJF until 24. But if you're trying to build Ricky Starks up, why would right. you feed him to the most powerful heel you've got right now? Yeah. Right. I you mean, know. again, six months of good, solid build. I'm down for it because then you can maybe believe he's going to win the title. Lay down. But right now, there's no belief. So they would really have to pull a swerve and give him the title for, you know, for people to, for him not to lose momentum, which is foolish. Yeah. So your theory can go suck it. So who's your next challenger for MJF then? I'm thinking Adam Cole gets in there somehow because they've been going at it on Twitter a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Britt Baker makes a comment about uh, uh, MJF having half-hour promos and she's not on TV. Um, maybe something like that. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Wednesday night we get Cult of Personality. Maybe we get Kenny. I swear, the the amount of time that was left, my wife was telling me, she's like, something's still going to happen. There's 10 minutes left. I'm like, damn. I was exhausted. Like, AEW, they run you through the gamut emotionally, like with their pay-per-views, which is great. It's one of the reasons I love their shows so much. But 10 minutes left still on their their allotted pay-per-view time, they could have easily did that. But maybe you're right. Maybe it's on a Wednesday Maybe it's a dynamite where Punk comes back, or maybe it's not Punk at all. Maybe it's somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, it could be anybody. I mean, Hobbs could beat Wardlow. Wardlow goes up and gets a run at him. Um, Omega. Yeah. 
Maybe he takes a couple months off. I mean, go ahead. I mean, I mean, you look at it, and not all the time your world title has. I mean, your world title's there, right? They could have a whole tournament or gambit of who's going to be the next competitor, and MJF could play mind games with all of them. Yeah, you know, like he's done in the past. So, I mean, he's you've got one of the most legit heels that plays the old game and whoever you put up there they could have a good story until they're ready to do whatever i mean who knows who the next person's going to be that's the one thing that i like about aew is when you think that they won't put the belt on somebody well shit they do yeah you well know? that's I mean, going to be I'd the like question to... is who's next yeah right i mean i'd like to see orange cassidy getting some series with some people you know you know I love Orange um, Cassidy, man. He's so good. You know, like, where was Jade Cargill on the whole thing? Also a good question. You know, like, you have this girl who has an undefeated streak, and she wasn't even in the paper on the pay-per-view yeah. anywhere. Not even in a segment, not in a, you know. But, so, Tony does explain that in his part of the media scrum is he understands there are people that should have been on the Mm pay-per-view, but because you had an hour-long Ironman match, uh, pacing was, you know, um, because if you added one more match, that really would have screwed somebody else up. And he did admit admit that that was a challenge pacing-wise because of the Mm Ironman match main event. Yeah. So, because normally, I mean, normally the uh, AEW pay-per-views are just packed full of matches. And this was the right amount with the right amount of pacing. And, um, you know, again, that would be one more one more match you'd have to set up and throughout the last few weeks, which, again, detracts from somebody else and... So, I mean, looking at this overall pay-per-view, as we get ready to close out here, I mean, how do you rate this? Obviously, it's it's the top AEW pay-per-view so far this year. It's the only AEW pay-per-view this year. <laughs> so, obviously that. But is this... I mean, we go to stars or do we do grades? What do we want to do? We always do grades. Yeah, we'll do what, grades. The, what the hell, Melcher? Did you wake up? No, this no, MJ, MJF was making fun of Dave. I felt like I had to go to bat for him. <laughs> Actually, that was the funniest part. Of go to bat day. for Dave. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to save Meltzer. Oh, Get it, Lord. Dave Meltzer, save Meltzer. Anyway, <clears throat> so grading this pay-per-view, um, Rob, A to F, what do you think? Uh, I would give it an A. Yeah, I felt like this was a, a super solid event. I, I agree with you there. Brian, what do you think? Uh, you can throw the plus on it for me. A-plus for Brian. Okay. I give it an A, I mean, so from, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, it. There was no filler. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, there was no – this was one of those pay-per-views where you're like, all right, there's no match on here that could have been on a pre-show. You know, and – Every pay-per-view, 
that I've seen. WWE, AEW, wherever, always has one match on it that you're like, this could have been done on the pre-show. Yeah, there was you no know? match that really felt like that last night. I mean, and even the tag match, which which we could have seen other things, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and they kept, and like I, I told Brian, like, and I, I'd made the comment before, like there were no video, there were no, there was no over inundation of video montages explaining what was going on. Right. You know, they were like, it was one of those where they were like, kind of like, all right, hope y'all were paying attention because we're going. <laughs> you know, it was, and every match was good. It wasn't, oh, we got to throw a fifteen minute recap and then oh, now the match is going to be five minutes. Yep. Yeah, overall, I mean, this is the the show of the year so far. I was really, really enjoying it. I loved, I liked everything we saw out of it. Um, curious what happens next. Uh, hey, before I uh, go to our Twitter plugs and all that, next week we have a very special edition of uh, Corner to Corner. We've received a request of a review. Excited to do this one. The 1992 Royal Rumble. Is that a, the first one? 92 Royal Rumble is the one Ric Flair won. Oh, okay. spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't watched since 1992, <laughs> Flair won. So when one. did it start? 89? 88. 88. Very first Royal Rumble was 1988. It was only 20 man Royal Rumble. So, uh, yeah, that's what we're going to be covering next week. We'll be long-form reviewing the Royal Rumble 1992. There's a lot of things to cover there, a lot of good notes. Guys, have you started your, your notes process yet or still got to get to it? I mean, why do I need notes? You just spoiled it for everybody now. <laughs> right, right. Ah, Flair won. Damn it, I quit. <laughs> no, no, what are we going to review that Stan – like ruins it? No, I'm kidding. Wow, wow, that's not very nice. I will say, if you're watching Raw, my favorite Austin Theory moment happened. Oh, for Pete's sake! When they pull Austin Theory in the ring with John Cena and a live mic. Mm-hmm. The same thing they did with Roman Reigns back years ago, <laughs> like. And John Cena looks at him and says, you know what I love about your name? It says what you are, a theory. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty damn good. I'll have to, I'll have to rewatch that. <laughs> All righty. So, hey, catch up with your boys on the Twitter bot. Catch up with Rob at Rob Hefner C2C. Catch up with Brian at Vlad Dragul C2C. That's V-L-A-D-D-R-A-G-O-O-L-C-2-C. And then, of course, you can catch up with me at Stan Grubb on Twitter. And the show's at C2C Radio Show on the Twitter bot. C2CRadioShow.com for all your corner-to-corner needs. Have a great week. we got a lot to cover next week in the Royal Rumble 1992. Good night, everybody. Oof. And we're clear. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.